The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 72. How important is psychological support in soccer? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports psychology. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Dan Abrahams. Dan is a sports psychologist, author and founder of Dan Abraham's Soccer Academy, where he specialises in supporting soccer players, coaches and parents from a psychological perspective. Also, Dan has worked with a variety of professional sports teams such as England Rugby, England Golf and football teams in the Premiership and Championship English Football Leagues such as AFC Bournemouth and Derby County Football Club. Without a doubt, I'm fascinated about Dan's line of work, and it's great to have him as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Dan will share his sports career journey and explain how important is psychological support in soccer. Dan, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to the listeners? When did it all start? Ed, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. Wow, it started way back when. I'm getting old now, mate. I um, It started after I left school. I announced to my parents that I was going to be the best golfer in the world. So the first thing I did after leaving school, I didn't go to university uh, straight away. I played golf. I played amateur golf uh, and then moved on to pro golf um, through the Professional Golfers Association. So I played and I coached at the same time. And I I got to a point where I realized I wasn't quite going to be good enough to have a playing career in the game. And a part of that was because what was going on between my two ears, you know, the six inches between my two ears, it wasn't, I didn't know how to develop my confidence, my self-belief. I was heavily distracted and anxious during tournament play, and I didn't know how to deal with that. And I saw a a few sports psychologists when I was, um, when I was competing and I turned my attention, first of all, after playing to, to coaching. So I was a qualified coach and that was a great experience because I, you know, the way golf coaching works is you're doing 35, 40 hours of coaching a week. So you're doing a lot of coaching a week because it's your living. Uh, it's how you make money. And, um, you know, you're spending an hour with the lawyer, an hour with the housewife, an hour with a group of mums, an hour with a group of kids. So you're really experiencing interacting with a cross section of society. As I was coaching, my, my love for the psychological side of sport development, competing took over. So I decided to head to university. This was in my 
mid-twenties, I'd say. Um, I headed to university to do a degree in psychology um, because I was advised if you're going to be a sports psychologist, you're best doing a degree in psychology rather than sports science. And I coached at the same time. So I was a very busy boy um, coaching a number of hours a week and going to lectures and doing my work. After I completed my degree, I went on to do a master's degree And as I was doing my master's degree, I started to wind down the golf coaching and started to turn up the volume of my sort of psychological consultancy. I've been uh, a sports psychologist now for, I would say, well, over kind of over 10 to 15 years, but I suppose officially as as a registered sports psychologist for about a decade. I got to a point where it was like, well, do I coach golf? and have the sports psychology on the side or do I be a sports psychologist and leave the golf coaching behind and that's what I decided to do and that's been a a fascinating um, challenging journey since then Um, it's not been easy and I'm sure we'll go into that but uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, have some great experiences I've been lead psychologist for England golf I was that for uh, three years I've I've been psychologist at a number of Premier League soccer clubs football clubs and it leads me to today where my two major consultancies I mean I work across sports with a number of clients but my two major consultancies I'm I'm uh, the lead psychologist for the England senior rugby team so I work alongside Eddie Jones and, and the gang there and I'm also a lead psychologist uh, at Bournemouth AFC Bournemouth uh, in football so that's a, a, alongside their medical department there primarily um, so yeah that that's where I'm at today that's really interesting just going back to when you were in your mid-20s starting your psychology degree did your coaching style change with regards to what you were learning at university did it change it's a really good point I, I, I think it did I think that uh, I became what I would describe as a lot more inductive than prescriptive, prescriptive, or perhaps an easier way to understand it would be non-directive rather than directive. And it corresponded with the time I was going on some coaching courses anyway, and, and learning a little bit more about asking questions rather than to induce some answers and empower the golfer to come up with their own solutions rather than simply telling you know you need to swing like this you need to do it this way and I think my 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 psychological education helped within that process especially during my master's degree where the practical side of the course not the theoretical but the practical side of the course I got the opportunity to learn psychological frameworks and become more effective at asking impactful questions to elicit answers off of people. So, and probably more uh, convergent questions rather than divergent questions. So, so getting them to elaborate on what they're experiencing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they, how they feel that they should swing the golf club, essentially. Plus also, you know, learning about psychological interventions and psychological skills training. Obviously, I started to amalgamate those into my coaching sessions as well. So it wasn't, I didn't see myself purely as a 
technical coach i saw myself as somebody uh, who would help a player holistically and i i think that's driven my view of coaching i think that coaching we can see too narrow a viewpoint of what a coach does we're quick to look at we've got to work on the technical the tactical side and a big part of my work now coaches through my online academy is to Preach is probably the wrong word, but let's call it preaching. Preach the notion of being a psychosocial coach. Psychology and social drives the other areas, the technical, the tactical, the physical sides of sport. So, yes, Ed, it made a big impact on my coaching career at the time. That's brilliant. And just before we talk about your academy, how have you seen psychology have an impact in sport looking back from the last 10 years looking at it over the course of a decade is is quite useful because i think there's some real uh, emergent stuff going on right now uh, i think that certainly let's look at the world of football for instance and i think that's a great barometer because look it's our national sport whether we like it or we or not and the emergence of the e triple p uh, the premier league elite program whereby they've asked category one and category two clubs so the most well-resourced clubs um, to provide mental skills training in some format and primarily through a, a sports psychologist or group of sports psychologists is, has been really useful for football. I think now we're starting to see clubs much more open to that side of things. So I think sports psychology within our national sport is growing. Uh, I also think as you know, I, what was it back in the 90s, the lottery funding um, started to uh, build. And so a lot of our Olympic sports started to have access to a lot more funding. And over the last decade, last 20 years, that's also led to funding for psychological programs. So I know that GB rowing, GB cycling, GB hockey, all of these elite sports will have Olympic sports, I should say, will have funding for psychology. And they've got some very good programs running through them. So that's that's fantastic. Look, I, I still think that coaches players parents are trying to understand sports psychology where it fits into programs where it fits into their playing uh, where it fits into their parenting and their parenting skills and I, I and I think we need to improve that symbiotic relationship whereby psychologists become better at delivering psychology i think we tend to historically it's tend to be either nice nice and cute and fluffy on the left hand side that uh, uh, that's kind of been touchy-feely and punch the air we can achieve anything you're kind of anthony robbins type scenario no disrespect to him or on the right hand side you've had the overly academic let me tell you about systematic desensitization and the inverted u hypothesis and everyone's sort of thinking what are you talking about what does this mean to me and i think if we can hit the middle ground and this is something i've tried to do which is you know anything i write about or speak about i'd like to think it has some theoretical underpinnings to it but at the same time look if research is the lifeblood of our work 
the heartbeat of our work is our is our humanity it's our personality it's our relationships and it's our ability to get across tools techniques philosophies that uh, are easily understandable easily applicable that parents can utilize that players can utilize that coaches can take into their sessions so i think we're getting my my long-winded answer and my rambles uh, to sum it up i think it's it's building people are starting to use it people are starting to understand it it's still a work in progress so what inspired you to start your own academy in soccer my online academy in soccer is is one of a number of things i do obviously i work in the world of rugby with the england team i work uh, at a premier league club in bournemouth i work with individual players and i work with any sports people who uh, require my attention but one of the things that i noticed uh, sort of uh, or have noticed over the past decade is that well there's a number of motivations i suppose i think first and foremost i wanted to give players coaches and parents better access to the psychological side of the game because my passion is to demystify sports psychology for players coaches and parents and and as i sort of said in my last answer i still feel that there there needs to be a better platform to deliver this stuff to players coaches and parents so i wanted to produce an online platform because the world has gone virtual right so i wanted to produce an online platform that players coaches and parents could sign up to where that whereby they get really really simple ideas uh, in uh, an easy format so the format is an animated format Um, I use whiteboard animations they're sort of two to three minute videos so there's a whole collection at the moment we've got 65 videos um, and that library is still building and it's what it is where it's slightly different is it offers a joined up solution for players, coaches and parents. So the players get their program and it teaches them really, really simple techniques for match day, for training, to help them build confidence, to help them play with confidence, to help them play when they're not confident, to help them deal with distractions, etc., etc., etc. But the parents program offers a joined up solution whereby parents can watch their program and their program reinforces the player's program. So parents can learn what they can do within their role as a parent to help players build their confidence. And then from a coach's perspective, they have their own program. I hope you're following me so far so that they can, again, reinforce the player's uh, techniques and tools they have a bit more uh, science behind it. Um, so I don't introduce much science to the players, but I introduce a lot of science to the uh, to the coaches. And with the, going back to the parents' program, they've got a lot of things that they can do at home to reinforce um, the players' stuff. So it, it's very much a joined-up solution. That's a little gap in the market I felt was there because, you know, a sports psychologist might go into a, a club and deliver a presentation to a bunch of players and it's forgotten about when they leave the room can be with the greatest of respect coaches might deliver something but they're not going to be with the player all the time so in with the online academy players coaches and parents have 24 7 access you know they can get on at night get on online uh join up and and watch 
So that that's where I thought it's it's joined up the twenty four seven access and it's just done in a fun, informative way. I find this really interesting, but most of all, I think it's really important. Just looking back from what you've been doing, what benefits have you seen with regards to people using your program? I think first and foremost, having access to it as and when they want to have access um, is really, really useful. Um, so when a, when a kid feels like they want to go online and learn a little tool or technique using my language, a game face or using what I call their controllers, their self-talk and their body language or developing what I call a match script. So those are the kind of scaffolded language I use. They're sort of fun techniques. So that kid can go online and watch whenever he wants and I've the feedback I've had is that's really useful the feedback I've had is that the way it's set up in as much as the language that's used the techniques that's used it I've been told that it really um, brings it to life but most importantly uh, again just to reinforce the, the, the feedback I've had is that the joined up solution is, is has been as I've been told is really useful so coaches have said what's great is I know that little Johnny or little Mary is watching this on a gate was watching the video on a game face they now have a game face and i um can watch uh, the game face the science behind the game face so that will be individual zones of optimal functioning so i can have an understanding of that i can also watch the video on how to, to help players apply that in training and then subsequently match day and so we're all singing from the same song sheet and what the parent has said is, I know rather than shouting and screaming from the sidelines and rather than than um, saying, I hope you have a good game today or good luck or um, I know as a parent, I can say to my kid, oh, don't forget your game face today. What does a great game face look like to you? You know, how about setting a goal today of keeping your game face no matter what? which is an example of the kind of things we work on in the parents program. So everybody is singing from the same song sheet. There's this kind of joined up template. And and in that way, it becomes that much more powerful. So that's the kind of feedback I've had when, when parents have signed up for their kids, when coaches have signed up for their players, when clubs have signed up. They've gone, this is really powerful, you know. And, 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 and I want to emphasize it's still individual specific and it's still robust enough it, to be genetic. So what I'm not doing is prescribing. You know, I'm I'm providing the concept of a game face, but every player will have a different game face. I'm helping players, coaching and coaches and parents understand uh, what their self-talk controller is. And I'm not saying you've got to use your self-talk controller. It's just an option to use it. And I'm helping players understand what a self-talk is and how they can use it. And I'm helping parents understand how that they can get involved from a self-talk perspective. And I'm helping coaches to to understand how they can help players use it on the training pitch. So it's kind of everybody uh, being able to speak the same language, have a robust system that's individual specific, but they can all work from. Sounds like it's really flexible and also the players even the parents can have their own routine as well, which I think is really important from a psychological standpoint. Out of interest, what inspired you to write books about psychology relating to soccer and golf? When I first started as a sports psychologist, I, I looked around me and I, as I said, I, I looked at this continuum from light and fluffy and, and sort of punching the air and we can achieve anything 
all the way over to the, the big theoretical stuff. And I thought, okay, what's the happy medium here? How do I want to get my message across? Now, one of my big influences within my psychology career is a, is a guy called Dr. Bob Rotella, who's an American sports psychologist um, based in Virginia. He's uh, will be in his 60s now. He's one of the most prominent sports psychs in the world. And he, he's largely worked in golf. He's worked across sports, but he's, he's, he's largely worked in golf or made his name in golf. And I read his first book, or his first popular book, I should say, which was called Golf is Not a Game of Perfect, which came out in 1995. You know, so I was reading psychology books at the age of, sort of 17, 18. So that's kind of um, uh, how anarchist I am. And, and it was a wonderful book because it was the first book that's come along that wasn't too theory based, wasn't too wishy washy and was very chatty and anecdotal and he clearly got permission from clients to at that time to talk about some of the work that he had done with them rightly or wrongly whether you think that's right or wrong at the end of the day the the clients gave him permission to use their story you know it's nothing clinical it was all performance related and books he's written six or seven now uh, within the golf industry have been you know they're the most popular golf psychology books and I wanted to do the same in football in soccer so I, um, my first book, Soccer Tough, I sat down to write it. You know, clearly, um, Ed, it was a way to build my career, as a way to um, set myself apart from others. I had a couple of what could be construed as successful case studies at the time. I was very fortunate in as much as uh, a player at the time I was working with, Carlton Cole, very kindly said, look, Dan, I, I, I think I really love what we've done. It's a, it's a small part uh, of what's helped me go from West Ham Reserves to England International at that time. I want to tell the world about this. And, and it sort of sparked my mind, write a book, and this could be a chapter within the book. I was working with another player at the time called Richard Keogh, who's now captain of Derby County, and he had been at Carlisle and he progressed up to through Coventry up to Derby so he progressed in his career and another player called Anthony Stokes who had we worked together and he'd gone from Hibernian to a big move to Celtic and again all players were very keen to sort of tell their story at that time and all have been through challenges and have continued to go through challenges so that sort of anecdotal process or anecdotal approach was very much the process within the book so my passion was to demystify it so I wrote a book about sports psychology but did it in a very chatty style so it had um, chapters like how Carlton squashed his ants um, Stokesy, this is Anthony Stokes, Stokesy the Greyhound, which was his game face and and stuff like that. So it was really trying to bring things to life. And I was very lucky in as much as, you know, people read it and liked it and it became a, a, a bestseller in the States, a sports psychology perspective. And then that sparked me to write Soccer Brain, which was for coaches, then Soccer Tough 2, which, as the name suggests, was a follow up to Soccer Tough. And then I wrote Golf Tough, clearly having been a pro golfer, I, that, was, that was a big challenge for me. I really wanted to write a golf book, and uh, I did that. That was tough. That was hard. That was the hardest book to write. But again, I, I wanted to put my own unique spin, and I was working with England Golf at the time and working with a lot of very good golfers. So that was fun to do. Um, and, and yeah, and that brings me to today. Out of interest, what have you been up to recently? 
Well, as I said, Ed, I mean, I, I call um, from the powers that be at England Rugby and was asked to come in to do some work with them. And so I'm working with England Rugby in the lead up to Japan. I can't speak much about it because I'm under I understand that. Uh, a contract that says so, which is absolutely fair enough. But it's obviously exciting times for England Rugby. And um, it's it's wonderful to, to work alongside Eddie and, and Steve Borthwick and the other coaches there. It's an honour to do so in there and a great learning experience for me. Um, I'm working with AFC Bournemouth and that's fun as well. I'm working predominantly through the medical department there and um, working with injured players, but that's starting to spill out into working with players from a performance perspective as well. They've had a challenging start to this season, but again, um, they've got a wonderful coaching staff and I'm sure things will turn around. I'm obviously working heavily on the academy. I'm producing videos each week for that writing new content uh, i'm working with individual clients as well so that's cross across all sports i work a lot in america um from a, a skype perspective and that you know that's important to get across to your listeners as well who are interested in the career in sports psychology is the wonderful thing now is you work you can work globally you know it's a small world now and and i work with players in australia in across europe over to america um so that's brilliant um and i I'm, I'm due to go to philadelphia in january to deliver at the nscaa conference so i i speak at uh, conferences globally so yeah it's look it, it's fun it's exciting it's challenging but it's it's all good ed just on a personal note what have you enjoyed the most from your career now looking back I think it's helping people. I know that sounds very flowery and very cheesy, but it, I, I'm fascinated by sports psychology. And I think in part because I found it so challenging myself. And I, I think this is very important to, you know, I know your audience are going to be people who are potentially thinking about a career in this area. And I think that a lot of people can be put off because they think, well, you know, I've not been a top sports competitor. I've not been elite. But I actually think a little bit like the world of coaching is that when you're not elite, and it's not to say elite players can't become sports psychs or can't become great coaches they clearly can but actually i think sometimes you're at an advantage if you're if you're you've not been elite i struggled as a pro golfer to be quite frank i wasn't a very good pro golfer i didn't win any money and i was an okay ball striker i could hit the golf ball um as you can imagine but you know i got really nervous i really struggled to play with confidence and i looked around me and i thought everybody else was better than me and had better swings and and i I think that that's an important part because i empathize with players who feel like that i empathize with players who find it a real challenge and i think that's important to get across to your listeners is that you don't have to be michael jordan michael johnson you don't have to have been the best of the best to be a sports psychologist it can be an advantage so i I think i've gone off piste here a bit with my answer it's great to get involved in something where you know you can help people no matter their age no matter their level you can help people and and you know i've got to a point where clearly it's tailored more towards the elite side of things now but um it's great to work with players of all ages of all levels and help them and you know um to see reserve team players make their debut to see players who are nervous and anxious be able to deal with it better to see players who struggle to play uh when they're not confident just be able to deal with that better to see 
first team players become international players to uh, get on that medal rostrum. You know, right the way down to the kid who just has more fun because um, they'd be able, they're able to deal with their nerves a bit better, to be able to help parents interact with their kids better, to be able to help coaches expand their toolbox so they help players. Just those things, I think they're the great moments. It relates to what you said right from the start, having that humanity when working with people. And I feel like, Dan, we're at a great stage of the interview. I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in sports psychology? And and you know what? This isn't just for sports psychology. It's across the board. But I'll answer it with reference to sports psychology. But I can't emphasize enough. This is across the board. Go and do it. Go and ex- go and do something practical. Now, obviously, within sports psychology, you're going to have boundaries, and I get that, and I hear that, and I, and, and please, I don't want um, you know the powers that be to go. Dan Abrahams is saying this. You should, you know to, to get out there and work with the best players. And play. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if you're a master's degree st- student and and you're doing a sports psychology master's, because I get get students contact me all the time and i have a pretty much of a stock answer now which is just go do it go and go to your local under 16 coach who they have no money um they're not going to be able to pay you and you shouldn't be taking any money off of them go to the local school and offer to do a presentation a facilitation i'm doing my master's degree I don't, I'm not fully qualified. I maybe haven't started, you know, you probably haven't started supervision. This is the experience I have, which is basically zero. Um, I haven't finished my course yet, so please bear that in mind. But as long as that coach stays in the room, as long as that coach sees your presentation beforehand, I just don't see any harm in that. Because firstly, that's a way to build up your skills. It's a way to build up your confidence. Because what I find a lot of, quite a few emails from from people who have finished their masters and they go well what now well what have you have you done anything and and it's like well no i haven't i've just done my masters so you know they might have a nice theoretical grounding but the reality between theory and practice is so different so i say as long as you're honest as long as you're truthful as long as you stay within ethical boundaries and go on the bps the british psychological society website you know go on the hcpc the health and care professions council website contact a sports psychologist learn what the ethical boundaries are but to be quite frank it's common sense you know don't advertise yourself as a clinical psychologist don't advertise yourself as a fully qualified sports psych you know stay within boundaries have the coach in the room there's no reason why you can't go and do a basic, fun, upbeat presentation to an under-16 or under-18 local team. Go do it, because if you go do it, you build your confidence. You learn. You'll probably be rubbish. You'll probably be rubbish. You might not be. You might be brilliant. But if you're rubbish, get that rubbish out of the way first. Learn from it, then the next one, then the next one, then the next one, and get better and better and better at delivering. Build your confidence. And I come back, Ed, to this is where, you know, the, the second a bit of advice I'd, I'd give, and I think a lot of uh, sports psychology master students do this, is go coach because coaching is so – that builds your communication skills. And, it, and it, again, I come back to the lifeblood might be research and theory, but the, the heartbeat is your humanity, your personality, your ability to communicate with people and, and to deliver in a human way. 
and and not be a robot and 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 coaching helps you do that i can't emphasize enough i, I enjoyed my masters and it was really helpful and really useful but I, i'd almost say that my golf coaching was was better experience to become a sports psych because i learned how to interact with people so go coach whatever sport it is go coach if you don't coach now go coach do some do some practical work within sports psychology and then extending it to people who who are in other areas of sports again just go do something start at the lowest of low level because that's so important dan that is absolutely fantastic introducing that take action approach how can people interact with you my website is danabrahams.com. You can see my academy on there as well if you're interested. Uh, danabrahams.com forward slash academy. Now, from a social media perspective, um, people will know I'm pretty uh, active on that. The, the one I'm most active with is that is Twitter, which my handle is uh, danabrahams77. Come follow my my sports psychology ramblings on there. It's a bit bent with uh, football, but you can translate that into any sport. Danabrahams77. Abrahams Sport is my uh, Instagram. Danabrahams Soccer is my Facebook um it's not a group it's a page uh, that's dan abraham soccer i can be contacted on dan dan abrahams.com i think that's it yeah that's it that is great to all the listeners listening in all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post dan it's been great chatting with you today thank you very much ed thanks very much Wow, what a fantastic interview by Dan. And I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, there are so many areas of this interview I enjoyed so much. But the one that stands out the most with regards to a learning lesson, to people to apply and take from this interview, that if you are studying psychology and you really want to pursue a career in this sector, I really do hope you took on board what Dan was saying, but most importantly to the people who are doing sports science degrees studying psychology, really get out there and really apply your work and put it into practice in an environment where it's safe, ethically approved. As he said, go to your local schools, get permission, so you build that confidence with regards to applying your work to people who need help with regards to a psychological point of view, because... For me, I found it really fascinating with regards to his online resource, with regards to helping footballers, coaches and parents. And if as students, as scholars of sport, to be able to help these people who may not have the academic background, but need the tool set to get a better understanding in psychology, I think it's moving psychology in the right direction. And you are part of that journey if you're studying this sector of sport which I think is really exciting but from an employment standpoint I really do hope you took on board what Dan was saying and apply it to your sports career journey going forward. Now as always at the end of each interview I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Dan said go out there and do it. Do something practical so you can build your humanity, skills, confidence, personality so you have the ability to communicate in a human way and not like a robot. 